0: Hello and welcome to this latest installment of Barnard's on the NBA. I'm your host, Matt Barnard, and I'm joined here by my son and co-host, Emilio.
1: Hey, it's me, Emilio.
0: Yeah, that's Emilio. And uh, we're joining you here today to uh, continue our discussion of the best lineups that one could put together of NBA players based upon where they played in college. On this episode, we will be discussing California and... Illinois. As we do on these episodes, we break it down position by position, starting at center, then power forward, small forward, shooting guard, and point guard. We'll jump right into it, starting with uh, Cal, center. Emilio, who'd you have?
1: Ryan Anderson.
0: Yeah, Ryan Anderson, certainly a center, a guy who played in the league as recently as this past year, getting a little bit of run with the Rockets. Tell us a little bit about Ryan Anderson.
1: Yeah, I mean, this guy can really pop it for a big man. I mean, yeah, I mean, he played power forward for most of his career. He's the most improved player one year. Yeah, he was good.
0: Definitely a uh, stretch big in this era of stretch bigs. Six foot nine, 240, drafted uh, 21st overall back in the 2008 draft. As you mentioned, most improved player in 2011, 2012. And could really pop it. I mean, who knows how much career he has left. Only 32 years old right now, although he's coming off a season this past year where he barely got any action in the league. Didn't see very much last year either, only appearing in 25 games. But even if this is the end for him, has had a very impactful NBA career. I mean, a 38% shooter on uh, five and a half attempts per game over the course of his career has uh, been a major part of some good offenses, especially late in his career with the Rockets.
1: Yes, for sure. And with the um, new Orleans tournaments with like Chris Paul, AD,
0: and the Pelicans, yeah, absolutely. No, he's a definitely a guy who was able to play off those, uh, you know, really dynamic scorers with uh, with his high percentage shooting. I mean, his shooting from the line as well, an eighty five percent free throw shooter, yeah. uh, very impressive shooter, and a guy who's able to take it way back. I mean, several steps beyond the three point line as well. I mean, if you can yes. release high up, six foot nine guy taking uh, shots from several feet behind the line. You're going to be pretty tough to guard. You're going to really uh, bend the defense, uh, or you know, be a factor of someone they have to keep thinking about. Interestingly, about uh, Ryan Anderson, first all time in NBA history in turnover percentage.
1: Yeah, it's pretty bad.
0: No, no, no. He, the best turnover percentage, the least amount of his of his uh, oh. possessions were turned over of any player in NBA history. Now, obviously. Yeah, pretty good. I mean, not, not a guy who was uh, charged with handling the ball a ton during his career. I mean, mostly a catch-and-shoot type, but still, that's very few turnovers. Pretty hey, how many turnovers
1: was he average for his career?
0: He averaged under one, so .9 turnovers per game for his uh, career. Obviously, that has something to do with, uh, with the number of minutes he play as well, but uh, pretty impressive stuff there from Ryan Anderson. I had him at my uh, center as well. Mills, who would you have at Power Forward?
1: I had Sharif Abdul rahim
0: yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. I had him as well, a high draft pick back in uh, 1996. Tell us a little bit about Reef.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a one-time All-Star. He did make the All-Rookie team. And um, yeah, this guy was a really good player, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely a uh, consistent force in the league for, uh, for a number of years. Began his career with the Grizzlies, as we discussed uh, in our Oklahoma State segment recently. With, about uh, Bryant Reeves, those uh, Grizzlies teams, not exactly threats to uh, make the playoffs or you know, get, too, uh, get too involved there. But um, you know, eventually saw some, some playoff action later in his career, but it did take a little while for him to get to that point. So not a guy who was involved in a ton of high-end, high-quality basketball over the course of his NBA career. I mean, he played six playoff games with the Kings uh, late in his career and uh, was done in the league by the time he was 31, completely done. Uh, played his last productive season really at age uh, at age 30. But, I mean, you know, you, you got a, a bunch of high-quality years. I mean, he came into the league at age 20, so he got about 11 pretty reasonably high-quality years. I mean, a, a whole bunch of those early in his career where he was capable of scoring 20-plus points per game and averaging, you know, nine or so rebounds. He averaged a double-double one year of his career. So pretty solid. I mean, you know, maybe not uh, as good as some number three picks, obviously, but... Pretty high quality player. I, as I mentioned, I had him at my uh, power forward spot as well.
1: Yeah, the next player we're going to talk about actually was another th- number three overall pick.
0: That's true. Let's uh, let, let's make that transition right here. That was pretty smooth. At uh, small forward, Mills. Who you got?
1: I got Jalen Brown.
0: Yeah, Jalen Brown, a recent yeah. number three overall pick, just back in 2016. Guy who's just still getting his career started with the Celtics. We've watched a lot of Jalen Brown playing, uh, being in the Massachusetts area. Mills, what what would you uh, say about Jalen Brown?
1: Yeah, I think he's um, pretty powerful. I think he likes to pop it, for sure. Um, when he gets hot, I mean, he really is hot.
0: Yeah, we w- witnessed that just recently watching uh, some of the seeding games, action. Jalen Brown uh, getting unconscious. He was like 6 for 8 in a game just uh, recently from uh, beyond the three-point line. Yeah, can really get it cooking from out there. I mean, you can see his uh, in his career so far as a three-point shooter, 37% guy. So a major threat from back there, but also, as you mentioned, a very powerful physical force. I mean, capable of getting to the basket for sure.
1: Yeah, good dunker.
0: Really good dunker. So, I mean, you know, he's got the athleticism to uh, make you think about both directions, right? Whether he's going to pop it in your face or drive right past you and stuff it in your grill.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, definitely has that work in, in his game and really took a step forward this year. I mean, you can look at his, uh, at his scoring and the number of shots he was taking, up from uh, 13 points per game last year to 20.6 this year, uh, up from 10.7 field goal attempts last year to 15.6 this year, and his three-point volume has gone well up, too, from uh, 3.7 last year to 5.9 this year as the uh, percentage has improved. So, yeah, definitely in the upswing of his career. Signed an extension with the uh, Celtics for uh, big money uh the beginning of the season, if I recall correctly. And uh, the Celtics got to be feeling pretty good about having locked uh, Jalen Brown in for a few more years.
1: Yeah. Um, do you have those three players there, too?
0: I have each of these three guys in there as well. Jalen Brown, even though he's just getting started with his career, uh, I think clearly the best choice at, at the three in terms of the quality of player that he is. We can get into some of the other contenders at the end here. But, uh, yeah, I, I chose Jalen Brown as well. Yeah. How about at the, uh, at the two? Which way did you go there?
1: I went with um, Jason Kidd.
0: Yeah, Jason Kidd, definitely a point guard for real. But, I mean, I, I know he played off the ball some and, and a pretty uh, dangerous three-point shooter as well. So I think he's the choice for me as well at the shooting. Let's talk a little bit about Jason Kidd.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's another great point guard that um, – that plays point guard. I mean, Jason Kidd, Hall of Famer, 10-time All-Star, 5-time Assist Champ, 6-time All-NBA, NBA Champ, 9-time All-Defense, All-Rookie Team, and Rookie of the Year. I mean, come on.
0: Yeah, he was really good. Won that championship with uh, Dallas in, uh, in 2011 on that team late in his career. But I mean, a major factor from the moment he came into the league, as evidenced by winning that Rookie of the Year. Came in in that uh, 1994 draft uh, to the Mavericks and really uh, added some legitimacy to that organization right from the jump. I mean, a, a triple-double threat his entire career, known as uh, Mr. Triple Double during his uh, during his career, and as uh, Asen Kid, one of my favorite nicknames because he didn't have a jumper, so no J at the beginning, just Asen Kid. But he really did develop that as his career went on became a pretty dangerous three-point shooter in addition to all the things he could do while uh, distributing the rock.
1: Yeah, um, I think Prime was actually um, in Phoenix.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could you could make that argument. I mean, in terms of his uh, assist numbers and, yeah, uh, and just his overall production.
1: Scoring numbers, I think, were pretty high there.
0: Yeah, he was pretty terrific in Phoenix. I mean, started out with uh, the Mavericks, as we mentioned, uh, made his way to the Suns, then the uh, Nets, then the Mavericks, and then the Knicks right at the end of his career. But I think a lot of people probably think of uh, him with those Nets teams, having taken those uh, teams to two finals, uh, back-to-back years uh, during his Nets run, but definitely really productive with the, uh, with the Suns as well earlier on. Uh, I mean, as you mentioned, his, like his, his uh, accolades are, are pretty substantial. I mean, having won Rookie of the Year and having been an All-Star so many times. Also, just in terms of his spots on career leaderboards, I mean, second all-time in assists, second in steals, fourth in triple-doubles, fifth in minutes played, sixth in turnovers, eighth in assists per game, and even tenth in three-pointers. I mean, I, I know I, I don't tend to think of him as a uh, huge volume three-point shooter, but he did it for so long, and he really was popping threes, at least uh, to some degree, for uh, most of his career. So over uh, the course of a really long period of time, uh, he accumulated a ton of them. Yeah. So hall of famer. And uh, I don't know, would you say the best player ever to attend Cal based on his NBA career? Hmm. Maybe him or possibly the next guy. I think it's so. him. Yeah. I think it's him too. Uh, pretty, pretty clear cut hall of famer. And uh, I think uh, the number one guy I also got to mention before we move off of Jason Kidd, the uh, singer on uh, one of my favorite, uh, Songs by uh, an NBA or a professional athlete called uh, What the Kid Did. you gotta got to check that one out. I know he's uh, probably trying to take that out of circulation, but it's a classic jam. Let's uh, let's move on to uh, point guard. Mills, who do you have at Cal point guard?
1: I had Kevin Johnson.
0: Yeah, I had Kevin Johnson as well, so we're in lockstep through this uh, Cal lineup. Tell us a little bit about Kevin Johnson.
1: Yeah, I had him there. I actually think he might be a little bit better at passing. I mean, I look at his assist numbers, well, his average. I mean, and he averaged over 10 assists for four years in a row.
0: Really, really impressive. And, I mean, he's got a trip to the Western Conference Finals, leading the Suns there in, in the midst of that in 1990 at his age 23 season. Was really, really cooking there in his early 20s.
1: Yes. I mean – Yeah, this guy's a three-time All-Star, most improved player one year, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, really a a fantastic and efficient player on on offense. I mean, you mentioned his assist numbers. I mean, despite not playing that many games in the league, only 735 regular season games, uh, 7th in assists per game, and 24th overall in assists for his career. That's all time. He really racked him up when he was out there.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: And uh, dominating force uh, on and off the court. He uh, ended up. Becoming the uh, the mayor of his hometown of uh, Sacramento after his career. Yeah.
1: Like I said, most improved player, three-time All-Star, and also five-time All-NBA.
0: Yeah, really, really impressive uh, impressive stuff there. I mean, uh, Kevin Johnson, four times on the second team, All-NBA. It's
1: pretty
0: good. It's pretty good. One yeah, time I mean,
1: on the first team, one time on the third
0: team. One time on the third team. But it Definitely shows you where he was, you know, kind of where people were stacking him up among his contemporaries during his career. To pretty be, right. uh, yeah, I mean, to be the, sec- the second uh, point guard in the league is uh pretty strong for four years. Uh, totally agree. Do you think he should be in the Hall of Fame?
1: Uh, no,
0: just not long enough of a career,
1: yeah. And I don't think he played for high enough level for long enough,
0: yeah. I think that's that's a fair point. I mean, I, th- I think uh, he's you know, one of the uh, more borderline cases. I think he's one of these guys who there are certainly players in the Hall of Fame who accomplished less than him.
1: Like Al Servi?
0: We don't need to name names at this point. Uh, I'm just pointing out that there are some players who have kind of gotten into the Hall of Fame at a lower threshold than Kevin Johnson. So I think if you were to make the argument, well, this guy's in, so Kevin Johnson should be in, you could probably make that argument with Kevin Johnson. Yes. He's good enough for that, certainly. All right, so let's uh, let's just run down our uh, collective uh, Cal starters here before we uh, move on to uh, a couple of the guys we want to talk about. Um,
1: I got um, Ryan Anderson at center, Sharif Abdul Rahim at power forward, Jalen Brown at small forward, um, Jason Kidd at shooting guard, and Kevin Johnson at point guard.
0: Yeah, I had the same team. So let's talk about a couple other guys who attended Cal who had notable NBA careers of some type. Talk about Lamond Murray, number seven overall pick in the 1994 NBA draft, cousin of Tracy Murray, a guy who could shoot the rock pretty well during his NBA career. Mills, any thoughts on uh, Lamond Murray?
1: Uh, Not really, actually.
0: Yeah, I mean, not a super notable career when you look back on it, because he played on teams that didn't really matter too much in the Clippers and uh, uh, Cavaliers early in his career. But, you know, a starter level player, a guy who was capable of averaging in the mid-teens for a number of years. Played until age 32. So, uh, you know, notable career. I certainly remember – I mean, I was following the NBA draft when he uh, came out. I certainly remember him being taken with a high pick in that lottery year in uh, 1994. I could talk a little bit about Phil Chenier.
1: Yes, this guy was a three-time all-star. All-rookie team, all-ABA. This guy was a good,
0: all, good – All-NBA.
1: All-NBA. And he averaged 20 points a game at least for – Three years, and nineteen point nine points per game one year, nineteen point seven points per game, and that's five years in a row with all those numbers, I and mean, that's pretty good. Yeah,
0: 17. this guy could fill two. it up.
1: Yeah, seventeen point two points per game for his career. I mean, he could fill it up.
0: Definitely. So. so, I mean, not not a super long career. I mean, was done by age thirty, and uh, really as an effective player in his age twenty nine season. But uh, you know, a guy who made an impact in his early years in the league. Yep. As a uh, as a two. Let's talk a little bit about Alan Crabb, guy who's still in the league right now, uh, got a big contract a couple of years ago from the Nets, uh, has made his way to the uh, to the Timberwolves by the end of this uh, this current season, started off the season with the Hawks. Any, any thoughts on Alan Crabb?
1: I think I'm most of the Blazers. I mean, yeah, not a super notable career.
0: Yeah, just like a you know good three-point shooter. I mean, 38% for his career, a high-quality option as a three-point bomber. And uh, still a useful rotation player, only 27 years old right now. (laughs) I just wanted to also mention uh, Leon Poe. I don't know if this guy got on your radar, meals, but he was part of uh, that 2008 championship team that the uh, Celtics had as a rookie. Definitely a useful player. I mean, a guy who had uh, some decent pedigree. I'm sorry, that was his second season. It wasn't his rookie -er. year. Had some pedigree coming out as a uh, a high school recruit, uh, made his way to Cal. And uh, despite being an undersized guy, I remember – him being a pretty useful player off the bench for this yeah. Celtics team. I mean, 57% shooting during that season. Uh, you could see where that would be useful to any team coming off the bench, getting you some uh, efficient points like that. also wanted to mention uh, Jamal Sampson, who attended Cal. Any, any thoughts on him, Mills?
1: Um. Oh, his um, cousin is Ralph Sampson.
0: Yeah, didn't didn't have quite the same career that uh, the Ralph Sampson did, but uh, did ma- manage to uh, average two points a game over the course of uh, seventy two games across five seasons. Huh. And uh, you know, he's only uh, only thirty seven, so you know, you never know. Um, also, wanted to mention uh, Larry Friend. Mills, any thoughts on uh, on Larry Friend? I mean, he seems like a friendly guy.
1: Um, not really. I'm surprised he retired after one year when he averaged four points a game.
0: Yeah, And before we, uh, before we move on, uh, just a word on uh, on Rock Lee, one of these guys who uh, got, got a little little cup of coffee in the NBA who attended Cal.
1: Yeah, cool.
0: <laughs> played, played two games. All right, I guess we don't need to uh, spend too much more time on, on Rock Lee. We will uh, take a quick break and be right back and discuss Illinois. We're back to uh, continue our discussion here. We're, we're gonna pick this up with Illinois Center Emilio, who'd you have? Redker? Yes, Johnny Red Kerr, guy who became very well-known after his playing career due to his uh, time as an announcer on Bulls TV broadcasts during the Jordan era and beyond. Mills, you know, tell us a little bit about Red Kerr.
1: Yeah, three-time All-Star, NBA champ. He was a good player.
0: Yeah, an NBA champ in his uh, rookie season there on the 1954-1955 uh, Syracuse Nationals. Guy uh, played an important role on uh, on, on some, some high-quality teams there in Syracuse for uh, the bulk of his career, uh, moved on to uh, Philadelphia and Baltimore later on, but a high-quality player, a guy who averaged a double-double across his career, 905 regular season games. That's pretty good. Definitely good. I mean, he's uh, n- not a Hall of Famer, but I, I know a guy who uh, is certainly revered in uh, in Chicago as uh, one of the voices people associate with uh, the Jordan Bulls and, and the Bulls more generally. I know uh, certainly – well-loved by Michael Jordan himself, as well as uh, you know, Chicago fans all over the place. A high-quality career, and I think the best big man who uh, has come out of Illinois. Also my choice at center. Mills, who would you have at Power Forward?
1: I actually had Eddie Johnson.
0: Eddie Johnson. Yeah, a guy probably a little out of position here at Power Forward, but I looked at the same player as you did and uh, came to the same conclusion ultimately. Eddie Johnson at 6'7", 215. Probably a better chance to uh, play power forward at a high level than uh, the other options here that are yes. high-quality performers. Tell us a little bit about Eddie Johnson.
1: I mean, he was the sixth man of the year. He did, but the main thing is he played a very long time.
0: Yeah, he did. He played uh, 1,199 regular season games, the exact same number as uh, Derek Harper, also of Illinois, oddity, or, the, or maybe that was on purpose. Who knows? Good uh, show of uh, sportsmanship there, retiring at the uh, same number of regular season games. Uh, what, what else would you say about uh, about Eddie Johnson? I mean, this guy bounced around a little bit over the course of his career after being taken uh, 29th overall in the second round of the 81 draft.
1: Yeah, I think that was a little bit of a low pick for him.
0: I mean, no question. He certainly provided a lot more value than you would expect from a second rounder.
1: I actually think he, I think of the most on the Pacers, even though he only played there for two years.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised you don't think of him more uh, as a member of the uh, Kansas City Kings, where he began his career. I mean, I know you know, you think about the Kings a lot.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know why. I just you just have cards of him on the Pacers.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, by, by the time uh, he got later in his career, I mean you're already into the uh, the mid and late '90s. So I definitely do remember some aspects of Eddie Johnson's career. Looking back, though, I mean, at, at what he what he accomplished. I mean, a lot of it was before he became the role player that I kind of came to know late in his career. I mean, this guy averaged, you know, over 20 points a game three times. I mean, and close to it on a bunch of other occasions earlier in his career. Great player. Yeah, with the Kings. I mean, he was with them when they moved from Kansas City to uh, Sacramento back in the 85-86 uh, season. And uh, as a really productive member of the, the Suns and Sonics and Hornets as well. So um, good player. I and mean, I think, you know, probably more of a, of a two or three, though, really, right?
1: Yes.
0: Yeah, I, I, would, I would say so. And as you said, I mean, a lot, lot of his value comes through uh, having been on the court a ton over the course of his career.
1: Yes. So you want to move on to small
0: forward? Let's do that. Who do you have at small forward?
1: I actually had Nick Anderson.
0: Let's talk about Nick Anderson. member of those Magic teams most memorably with uh, Shaq and Penny, Horace Grant, Dennis Scott. Tell us a little bit about Nick Anderson.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, he was a great player. I mean, never averaged 20 points a game, but he was at 19.9, two years in a row. And I actually thought this was very interesting that he averaged 19.9 two years in a row and then 15.8 two years in a row.
0: That is pretty unusual to see uh, See, it hit the numbers like that. You think he was trying to do that?
1: He actually might have been.
0: Yeah. Well, good job by him because he, he nailed it. <laughs> uh, back-to-back, uh, yeah, same same point point-per-game average. Um yeah, so what, what else would you say about Nick Anderson? I mean, I think what, what stands out to me most is uh, that he was a volume three-point shooter uh, back in a time where there were not that many of those.
1: Yes, good three-point shooter, 35% for his career.
0: Yeah, and, and definitely, and, you know, at, at his peak, I mean, was shooting, you know, five, six a game in terms of volume, and that was notable for the time and, and you know, an important part of uh, what those Magic teams were trying to do. I mean, built around yeah. him and Dennis Scott – shooting threes from the two and three spots.
1: Yes.
0: Uh do you consider him more of a of, of a three or 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 a two? How how do you feel about slotting him in here in, in this spot?
1: Yeah, I felt fine about it.
0: Yeah, I mean I think I think uh, he certainly played enough at the three that, that it, it could work. I mean a 6-6 205 uh, pounds guy. Yeah. Uh, at least those those are his uh his listed height and weight. Uh 11th pick overall in the uh, the 89 NBA draft and a consistent Number 25 wearer over the course of his career. Yeah,
1: cool.
0: Good player, and, and definitely part of some high-quality teams. I went in a different direction here, although I had Nick Anderson as my starting two. I went with Kendall Gill, the man known as KG. <laughs> 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 he used to be KG. I mean, he he was uh, KG before uh, the more contemporary KG, who uh, outclassed him on the court. But Kendall Gill with a, with a high-quality career as well. Number five overall pick in 1990. Uh, I remember much of his career, I mean, uh, you know, as a member of the, um, the Sonics, the, the Nets, and the, the Hornets before that, and then bouncing around a bit at the end. Uh, did as much damage as a 20-point as a scorer at, at his peak and a couple of different uh, stops along the way. But really just a, um, you know, a guy you, you could have in your, uh, in your starting lineup and, and be pretty happy with him at, uh, at, at the, the three or at the two. Had the size to handle either of those positions. Big athletic guy. Who could play out on the wing, uh, 6'5", 195. yeah, uh, not not a great three point shooter. Not, not, I mean, only thirty uh, percent for his career, and not much volume there. But kind of playing in an era where that wasn't required from a, a two or a three, more of a nice to have kind of situation. But a, a good player to be sure. And um, you know, I mean, I think he could have gone a couple of different directions at the at the three here, as as you you went a different way here. But um, yeah, I feel comfortable with, uh, with with Kendall Gill as my as my three.
1: Yeah. Um, for shooting guard, I had Andy Phillip. This guy's actually in the Hall of Fame. He was a five-time All-Star, two-time assist champ, two-time All-NBA, and an NBA champ. So this guy was
0: handy-andy. Yeah, he was really handy-andy. <laughs> if memory serves, he was uh, he was drafted by the Chicago Stags in, back in the uh, 47 BAA draft. Is that right? Yeah, so uh, tell us a little bit about Andy Phillip in terms of his career. What, what kind of a player was he? Obviously, a guy who uh, balled out quite a long time ago, Back starting his career back in 1947 and wrapping it up in 1958.
1: That's a great player, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, what, what aspects of his uh, of his game jump out at you when you look at his statistical resume? Um,
1: scoring and passing.
0: Yeah, a guy who averaged. Uh, or, sorry, led the league in, in assists three times, uh, was able to finish in uh, double figures in scoring for much of his career as well and made the Hall of Fame, as, as you mentioned. I mean, a five-time All-Star, obviously was uh, considered to be one of the better players of his day by his contemporaries. And, um, yeah, I mean, what, what can you say about uh, about Andy Phillip? I mean, do you have anything more to add here? I mean, I, I don't know too much about him.
1: No, I don't either.
0: Yeah, one of these guys who who's uh, really been lost to uh, to time. I mean, I, I don't even know if I had heard of Andy Phillip prior to uh, doing this research into Illinois basketball.
1: Yeah, um, he actually was in the uh, first ever draft.
0: Yeah, and, 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 and uh, you know, inducted as a player into the Hall of Fame all the way back in 1961. So, I mean, this guy's been in the Hall of Fame for ages.
1: Yeah.
0: Definitely uh, not, not someone who has uh, survived into uh, contemporary consciousness to the degree that uh, some of his contemporaries and uh, guys who came after him went on to do. Uh, let's uh, let's let's move on here. I had uh, Nick Anderson at my uh, at my two, so let's let's talk about our starting one. Who'd you go with there, Mills?
1: Deron Williams.
0: That's uh Darren Williams.
1: Darren
0: Williams. Talk talk to us a little bit about Darren Williams.
1: This guy was a three-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA All-rookie team. This guy was good. He was a point guard.
0: Yeah, it's kind of hard to believe how I mean for those of us who uh, watched his career uh, develop and then watched it play out Kind of hard to believe how quickly he was out of the league after having been a major factor for quite some time. I mean, starting his career in Utah, I mean, famously taken one pick before Chris Paul in the uh, 2005 NBA draft. And for quite some time, it really was a question. I mean, among a lot of people in the NBA world, uh, who was better, Chris Paul or, or Darren Williams, who would go on to have a better career? And of Chris course, Paul. Yeah, of course, we know the answer now. But based on uh, the early part of their career, the two of them were neck and neck for quite some time. Darren Williams had some fantastic years, uh, went four years in a row going to the, um, four years in a row, three years in a row, uh, three years in a row going to the All-Star Game from his age uh, 25 to 27 seasons uh, that spanned his time with uh, the Jazz and uh, his trade to the uh, to the Nets. Made the transition from uh, New Jersey to Brooklyn with the Nets and was supposed to be part of this uh, big time team that the Nets had assembled that was going to make a finals run with the likes of uh, Joe Johnson, KG, Paul Pierce. They, they had these guys assembled, Brooke Lopez, and then his play just fell off the table. I mean, he just became a much worse player, yeah. Quickly. And also,
1: um, KG and Paul Pierce were at the end of the
0: record. absolutely. It was an ill advised trade to begin with, and I mean, I, I'm not sure it could ever have gone the way that they were hoping. But Darren Williams falling off the table in terms of his performance really added a lot to that. I mean, you look at his uh shooting percentage, I mean, just as, as one indicator uh, between uh, the 2013-14 season, his age 29 season, he was a 45% shooter from the floor. And in uh, the 2014-15 season, there he is at 38.7% from the floor. So a huge drop-off, just a much less dangerous shooter. And he really never got that back. I mean, I know he had been uh, not an amazing uh, shooter prior to that, but a guy who was much more dangerous than he ended up looking like when uh, that Nets team came together. Really and never got it back late in his career and was out of the league completely at age uh, 32. So really a quick fall from grace. I, I would have said that if, if we had had this conversation uh, five years ago, I think he would have, um, maybe a little more than five years ago now, maybe uh, maybe six years ago now, it would have seemed like he was uh, on a Hall of Fame track. I, I really think he, was, he, he looked like that kind of player at that time, but obviously uh, not even a consideration anymore. Yeah but a very impressive NBA career all the same. And I think, you know, we can, I mean, those of us who lived through it and have been disappointed by uh, Darren Williams can uh, focus on uh, the ugly way that his uh, career ended as opposed to focusing on the, uh, the really high quality play that he offered in the earlier years of his career. And I think he's still a really good choice as the point guard on this Illinois team. He made it for me too. Uh, he was also a member of a really high profile Illinois team, the most high profile um, college Illinois team of uh, my lifetime. They got to number one overall in the country. He played on a team with uh, Luther Head and uh, D Brown, other guys who uh, made the NBA for varying amounts of time from uh, from Illinois. So definitely one, one of the most notable uh, Illinois uh, NBA players in my memory.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's go um, to talk about um, Derek Harper.
0: Yeah, let's uh, just run through uh, those uh, th- those players that we had on this team uh, just quickly first, and then, then we'll we'll get to these other guys.
1: Center Red Kerr, power forward Eddie Johnson, small forward Nick Anderson, shooting guard Andy Phillip, and point guard D. Ron Williams.
0: That's uh, Darren Williams. So Darren. I, I, I had uh, center Red Kerr, power forward Eddie Johnson, small forward Kendall Gill. Shooting guard, Nick Anderson, and point guard, Darren Williams. Okay, let's move on to Derek Harper, as you mentioned. He's another guy who you got to mention when you're talking about Illinois players.
1: Yeah, I can't believe like the team. I mean, he's a tip time all-defense team. Yeah, I think he's a good player.
0: So his nickname, Harp, you think he liked to to throw the harp? No. Play the harp? No. Yeah, it's probably about his last name. He was a really good player, really consistent, played uh, the exact same number of games as uh, Eddie Johnson, as we mentioned. And, um, yeah, I mean, just, like, not on on great teams for most of his career, unfortunately, Uh, made his way to the Knicks where he was relevant uh, late in his career, but played a lot of his career with the Mavericks where uh, his team wasn't uh, advancing too far in the playoffs, but definitely a producer. I mean, guy was, you know, up over seven assists per game for a lot of his career, a lot of his prime anyway and uh, up over 15 points per game as well. So definitely a contributor. He got played a lot of minutes in the league. And, um, yeah, it was a tough omission from this uh, Illinois team. He was definitely a meaningful player. Yeah, for sure. 16th all-time in steals, 25th all-time in assists, 46th all-time in, in games. So really made his presence felt in the NBA and also had a pretty sweet mustache. I mean, nice uh, nice bald head, and uh, you get that mustache tight.
1: Yeah, I always think he has hair.
0: Yeah, I mean, he may have had hair at moments during his career, but I certainly remember him as a bald guy. Um, 11th overall pick in the 83 NBA draft and a really, really good career, two-time yeah. All-Defense team as well.
1: He does have a little bit of hair in the picture of basketball reference.
0: Oh, what can we <laughs> say? Um, the, the, I'm sure there, there were moments early in his career where he had more hair. Uh, shout out uh, Basketball Reference. Of course, we uh, really appreciate the uh, utility and uh, take advantage of it in every episode in doing our research. Let's transition now to a couple of guys who are in the league currently who attended Illinois.
1: Yeah, Kendrick Nunn, Myers Leonard.
0: Yeah, just talk uh, briefly about uh, each of these guys, both currently members of the Miami Heat.
1: Yeah, Kendrick Nunn already has um, uh, four nicknames. I mean, K Nunn, K Nine, Kung Fung Kenny,
0: and the Flying Nunn.
1: And the Flying Nunn.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, just making his way into the league this year, right? Yeah, this is his first good. year. Yeah, has has been pretty impressive. Has uh, is is a finalist for a rookie of the year this year.
1: Probably not going to make it.
0: Yeah, I mean, almost certainly not going to make it, but definitely uh, impressive first season in the league at age twenty four, a little bit older than than some of the guys who who break in, but has already contributed at a high level.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was actually uh, he's undrafted.
0: Yeah, yeah, undrafted. I know he played in the in the G League with uh, the Warriors affiliate. Uh, prior to getting signed by the Heat, and uh, just looks like a great addition. I mean, to be able to add a rotation player like that, not having drafted them, is uh, is pretty impressive work by the Heat. I know they're going to be reaping the benefits of that for a while. Yes. Let's also talk a little bit about Miles Leonard, his uh, current teammate. Yeah,
1: yeah, not a good player.
0: Oh uh, well, I mean, all right. I I, I, I kind of like Miles Leonard. I feel like he's not in a in a position really to take advantage of uh, of his talents right now. Maybe I mean, not not a part of the rotation currently in uh in Miami but um
1: he's, what's up he isn't he is
0: I thought he might be. <laughs> well I mean I I, th- I think he'll factor in at, at times I mean i, I'm, I you, you'd probably know even better than me whether uh he's been getting minutes uh in in, in the restart
1: no he hasn't he's but, there
0: though yeah he's definitely there and I think you know there, there could there could be a time where uh, where his his number gets called almost a 40 percent shooter from three so I think as a seven footer who could shoot like that has some value. It's just a question yeah, of uh, – Yeah,
1: Myers, Myers Legend.
0: That's uh, his, his nickname. It's, it's, that's a good one. You think uh, he's related to Kawhi? No. <laughs> All right. What about uh, Slick? No. All right, just going through a few of our favorite uh, Leonard's there. All right, so if you have anything more to say on him, let's just uh, touch on a couple more um, uh, Illinois uh, grads who, uh, who played in the NBA or Illinois attendees, I should say. Playing in the NBA. Any thoughts on uh, BP3, Brandon Paul?
1: No. Let's move on. No, no.
0: This guy really caught my eye when he made his debut with the Spurs a couple of years ago at age 26. Still has an opportunity to get back into the league. He's only 29. But, uh, yeah, wearing that uh, that jersey that says Paul on the back, number three, really striking. Okay. Um, Also wanted to uh, discuss uh, briefly Skip Thorin.
1: Sorry. Hey, good job by him. He played three years in the league.
0: Yeah, played played a little bit in the ABA. One of these guys who had a short enough, who had a productive enough but short enough career that you, makes you wonder, like, hmm, what, what was going on there? Average a double double across his three seasons in the ABA. You know, who knows what kind of factors were coming into play back in uh, the late '60s when he was playing? Uh, what other off the court factors might have led to uh, him, you know, continuing a basketball pro basketball career or not? But uh, you know, a guy who was able to produce a lot. Out of Illinois. Yeah, maybe he died. Uh, well, no, he's actually still alive, I and mean, thank goodness. Uh, Skip, we uh, wish <laughs> you the, the best of health. He's
1: seventy-seven.
0: Yeah, exactly. Still, still, uh, you know, nice, uh, nice young age of, uh, of seventy-seven. We'll I'll wrap this up by uh, mentioning Dave Scholes. Now, this guy unfortunately did pass away in December of uh, two thousand and fifteen, but remarkable career all the same. I mean, fifty-sixth overall pick back in nineteen sixty-nine,
1: and played one game.
0: Good job. Played one game, played one minute, and he made his one shot. So he finished his, his career with a 1,000 field goal percentage and a PER of um, 67.6. So uh, that's uh, pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, I mean, he per um, 36 minutes, um, he averaged 72 points per game.
0: Exactly. I mean, you're not going to do much better than that. You score two points in one minute, uh, your, your averages are going to be top notch.
1: Yeah, except yeah. did. He didn't get any rebounds, any
0: assists, any fouls. Yeah, so just a brief career there from Dave Scholes, but uh, yeah, we, uh, we we mentioned it. All right, so uh, we'll take another quick break here. We'll be back to uh, compare these two squads. All right, we're back to uh, compare these uh, California and Illinois squads position by position. Let's start off at center, where we've got California's Ryan Anderson and Illinois' Red Kerr. Who you got, Milson? You
1: got to go Red Kerr.
0: Yeah, Red Kerr. I mean, definitely a more more accomplished player, I would say, over the course of his career and certainly a bigger impact on uh, basketball as a whole. So that uh, makes it one nothing Illinois at uh, Power Forward. We've got California's Sharif Abdurrahim, rahim whose uh, first name is actually Julius. In fact, unknown to me before we did this research. And uh, Power Forward from Illinois, Eddie Johnson. Mills, who you have? i uh, yeah, Sharif Abdur Rahim had a, a little bit more impactful during his career, higher peak, I yeah. would say, than, uh, than Eddie Johnson.
1: And that ties
0: it up one one. Ties it up at one one. At uh, small forward, we got California's Jalen Brown still uh, on his way in his career, and Illinois is Nick Anderson. Who you got? I'm gonna go with
1: Nick Anderson.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think Jalen Brown could surpass him certainly, but at yes. this point in his career, Nick Anderson, with his entire career done, I, I think that's the right choice as well. So that makes it two-one Illinois as we move to shooting guard, where we've got Jason Kidd of California, a little bit out of position there, and Illinois' Andy Phillip.
1: You got to go, Jason Kidd. That'll tie it up to two,
0: two. Jason Kidd, you got to go, with Jason Kidd. Uh, that makes it two-to-two, two, as you mentioned. And at power, at uh, point guard, excuse me, we've got Kevin Johnson of California and Darren Williams of Illinois. Who you got? It
1: comes down to this. I mean, whoever wins this uh, matchup. Um, Is the champion of this um, one. That's a little comparison, yeah. Yeah, and I would go um, Kevin Johnson.
0: Yeah, I think that's the right call. I mean, both of them kind of had shorter careers than you would have expected for different reasons, but I think uh, Kevin Johnson's peak probably a little bit higher than uh, than Darren Williams, as good as Darren Williams' peak was. So that gives uh, California a 3-2 edge. Now, if these teams were to get on the court and run ball, who do you think would win?
1: California.
0: Yeah, what's that based on?
1: They have more good players.
0: Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's fair. <laughs> pretty basic analysis, but I mean, I, I, I do agree with you, but I mean, I, I think uh, having a backcourt of uh, Jason Kidd and Kevin Johnson would be pretty tough to manage.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: All right, so let's quickly transition to uh, the matchups that are of most interest to you over the course of the uh, next couple of days, the final couple of days of seeding games.
1: Yeah, there's two more days of seeding games um, that I am going to review.
0: So let's let's talk about the, uh, the matchups that have caught your eye on August 13th. That's uh, Thursday.
1: Yeah, um, I got um, Maverick Suns at four. I think that one's going to be big for the Suns. The Mavs are going to try to win that one. I mean, they're battling for the sixth seed.
0: Yeah, great great point. I mean, uh, the Mavericks now uh, right at the nipping of the Jazz's heels, right?
1: Yeah, and the Spurs are actually facing the Jazz that day um, at 6.30.
0: Very interesting. So, I mean, the, the results of those uh, two matchups could uh, definitely have a role in determining seating. Yes. And the Suns obviously still playing for their lives, as the Spurs are.
1: Yes, and the Blazers and the Nets are also playing at 9.
0: Also super important for the Blazers. I mean, they basically yes. got to win these games.
1: Yes. The Nuggets and the Raptors face at one thirty on Friday, August 14th. That one's just going to be some good teams.
0: Yeah, facing off, do you think those teams will be uh, playing their guys? Yeah, probably not. I mean, I, but it'll still
1: be interesting to watch.
0: Definitely. I mean, it would be worth checking out what these uh guys who might be, you know, necessary off the bench can provide in these matchups as well.
1: Yeah, at 4 my, the Heat face off against the Pacers.
0: So that could be a potential pre, uh, serious preview.
1: Yeah, that game actually happened earlier in the restart. Yep. Um at 6:30 the Thunder face the Clippers and I know that Chris Paul is not going to be resting.
0: In that game. Do you think he's yeah. gonna to want to go up against the Clippers?
1: No, he just did, he did even even like I I was listening to I was watching one of the games yesterday and, and the the people were saying that like even if even if the coach is planning to arrest him, Chris Paul just says, I don't care what your plans are, I'm playing
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's that sounds like Chris Paul to me.
1: Yeah, and um at nine um Sixers rocket.
0: Yeah, so that's another one where the Rockets are just trying to get right heading into the playoffs, and potentially there could be some seating implications as well. Yeah, very good. So we got uh, got a couple more couple more days worth of uh, these seating games to finally get these uh, playoff matchups locked in, and we'll be back to uh, discuss those in our next episode. Yeah,
1: um, if you're enjoying, please leave a rating, review, and subscribe at the podcast.
0: Yeah, we very much appreciate that. It helps uh, with visibility, helps people find the show. Also, please uh, feel free to let people know if uh, you have people in your life who are interested in this type of content talking uh, talking about hoops talking about uh, the players in the league and about the uh, the playoff matchups that are upcoming I very much appreciate you sending uh, people our, our way you can reach out to us on social media via Twitter at uh, Barnard's on NBA or by email at Barnard's on the NBA at gmail.com thanks uh, so much for listening and we'll see you in a couple of days bye